Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora. Ashley. Girl. Girl, how's your week going? Anything new? Girl, a lot. A lot (laughs) of things are going on, but I'm not going to go into great detail, but a lot. How about you? Man, you know what? I can't say there's a lot new, but this has been a super productive week for me, especially work-wise. So I am in a very good mood today. And I am fantastic. Hopefully I don't drink more wine than usual just because I'm in such a good (laughs) mood. Celebration. Celebration. Try not to get sloppy for our listeners. Okay. (laughs) Um, Delora, I just told you before we hopped on that I wanted to talk about vacations because girl, I think Mm. now that people getting their COVID shots and feeling good and stuff's reopening. I'm seeing a lot of travel photos on these internets and I am feeling some type of way. I am so jealous. I'm seeing Napa back girl. I mean, like to the thousandth degree now. (laughs) It's like, I'm seeing trips to Napa Valley. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing trips to um, Hawaii Hawaii. that I really want to go back to. Like, Delora, can I go? Like, I'm ready to take a trip. I've been eyeing these all-inclusives to the Bahamas. I'm ready. Ashley, you're in a coastal (laughs) state. What are you talking about? (laughs) It doesn't matter, though. I still want to be on somebody else's beach. I still want to go to somebody else's winery. You know, it's like, yes, yes, I live in Florida. I know that I have the luxury of going to the beach, (laughs) but it ain't the same as the beaches of Hawaii. Is there any place that you're you're fantasizing about visiting? Honestly, surprisingly, today I was thinking about how I cannot wait to go back to France. And um, I really want to go to Italy as well. Yes. And um, of course, I still haven't been to Hawaii, so I'd love to go <laughs> there. So how, how about you? I mean, again, Bahamas is high on my list right now just because I was watching HGTV a lot while we yes. in quarantine. I'm sorry, you did say that. Forgive me for having no, that brain fart. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's just my Bahamas life was a show that I got so into. And I was like, hold on, that's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Florida. Where have I been? You yes. know? So it just looks so enticing. But Italy, Italy internationally was on my 2020 list. And then mm. obviously everything happened. So yep. I'm with you, girl. But get your Emily and Perry back on and go going back to France. <laughs> and Bahamas is amazing just don't have those people braid your hair but uh you know i'm funny about my hair anyway hardly anybody gets to touch these locks okay um but i just wanted to i just wanted to chat about that guys feel free to tell us your ideal destination once you're able to get back out there and travel because ooh, the itis is something okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have we have two listener 
feedback reviews yeah. from Apple Podcasts that I wanted to read off that we got in the last couple of weeks. So the first one from Cashy J, Delora. Huge fan of this podcast. Very entertaining. And I love how they give respect to the actors of each show they recap by listing off the cast members. I thoroughly enjoy and sometimes find myself chiming in on the discussion. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for that review. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, We greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you. Absolutely. And the second one, the head header for this is IMDb meets Rotten Tomatoes meets The Talk. And this is from At Work Al. Come through At Work Al. Delora and Ashley offer such an informed and culturally relevant take on the topics, movies, and shows we are all talking about. Their chemistry and energy make for an entertaining show every time. Listen. <laughs> Oh we love you guys. Thank <laughs> yes, you so do. much for the feedback and keep it coming. Please, please do. We are checking these numbers. We appreciate all the support weekly. We see we've seen some spikes every now and again too. So please we tell have. your tell your mama, tell your sister, tell your daddy, tell your everybody. Best friend. Yes. To listen to recapping with Delora and Ashley. Okay. We love you guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So just wanted to knock out those two and Delora we have some things to talk about this week honey yes ma'am so let's go ahead and get into it so first some quick headlines ya boo reggae jean page (laughs) has announced his exit from Bridgerton say it is it so Delora the Duke of Hastings will not return for season two. Netflix and Shondaland announced it last Friday. Are you okay? How you doing? Girl, the way I gasped, okay? <laughs> Girl, I was like, oh, what? Because, okay, logically speaking, okay, yes, the Duke is not featured, you know, prominently in all the following books because... You know, it's each Bridgerton sibling and their Mm -hmm. love life. But he's the reason why that show is the number one show on Netflix, okay? Yeah. And we we said this in our recap. Please listen to Bridgerton part one, part two, available on your favorite podcast platform. He put the other Bridgerton's brothers to shame as far as I'm concerned. It's a huge gamble at this point to not have someone who rose to that level of a star be in season two. I understand that that does not fall in line with the books, but when when I saw this, I was like, first of all, I don't think I would have announced it. I think I would have let everybody think he was going to be in season two and then be- You know how many people said they're falling off? Because I'm, he's so, not there. So that's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, I would have oh, let fans. No, <laughs> I'm saying I would have toes. let fans discover it for themselves versus me announcing it. Like, I like how the lady whistled down society papers, how they are staying in line with that with the announcement. But no, let people discover he's not in season two instead of making it a big thing. Because you then you're guaranteed. You, the, 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 I don't even know how many O's I put in my. No! A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. But, but, but I mean, the last thing I was going to say, apparently book two of this Bridgerton series is one of the most beloved romance books ever. Yes. With Anthony? Yes. Oh, so, okay. 
obviously this show has a strong following because of the readers of the books and all that so we'll see i mean i have faith in the showrunner chris you know he's gonna write a good show i just i just i hope the chemistry's there yeah i mean i have no doubt the I show hope, will continue I hope to, to be like good. anthony i mean i just hope to like him because i he wasn't he no he, he did nothing for me. me no he did nothing for me either again it's a gamble so we're gonna see if it pays off so um our second quick headline tiger crash calls last week Delora mentioned the fact that due to privacy laws, they had determined the cost but couldn't release it. Well, Tiger waived his right to privacy, authorized release of the report. Speed was the cause, Delora. He was driving approximately 87 in a 45 mile per hour zone. And it seemed like he inadvertently had hit the accelerator instead of the brake when he hit something and started to crash. So, um, you know, it's definitely scary. And I know they were saying, you know, he's fortunate he even survived this. I mean, but the his fact career that he, is still on the line over the sure. injuries he has. For sure. The fact that, you know, his health is undecided, unclear at this point. We don't we don't really have any updates, but I keep hearing he's in good spirits. He's trying to do what he can do. And again, I'm, I'm happy that he walked away with his life because it, d- it does seem like it could have been a very, very serious situation um, yes. based on, you know, what, what we've heard. So mm-hmm. that was our second headline. And our final quick headline, girl. If listeners, if you've rocked with us for a little bit, you know, we talked about Larsa Pippen and Malik Beasley uh, a little bit ago. And the fact that this relationship raised many eyebrows when it was first reported because he was married at the time to uh, a social influencer. And so is her divorce of Scotty even official, though? They call her his estranged wife. So Mm. I don't know what the status of their divorce proceedings are. They've been doing their own thing for a while. They have. It's not the scandal is really not on on her side in terms of her relationship with Scotty. It was for sure on his side. It's to highlight how messy she actually is. Uh, I mean, in in totality, (laughs) the situation was hella messy because this man had a whole wife, has a two-year-old son. Who was blindsided. Yeah, has a two-year-old son. She subsequently filed for divorce. But Delora, it's only been four months that they were together. Do you think it was worth it on either side of the coin? Absolutely not. I would agree. That's all I have to say on no shenanigans. Let's move into our actual <laughs> hot topics of the week, girl, starting with the SAG Awards. It aired yes. Sunday as a one-hour pre-taped virtual ceremony on TBS and TNT. I have to be honest with our listener. It was pre-taped because they did a lot of editing. They left a lot, they said, on the cutting room floor, and they liked mm. it this way. They said, usually our war show is the shortest anyway, and this year is going to be real short. Um, but I have to be honest with you and our listeners. I didn't watch it, but I have subsequently gone back and heard the winners and looked at some fashion. So. I did not either, actually, um, because I don't have cable. <laughs> right tbs and tnt Mm -hmm. right i'm sure many of you guys can relate i'm forced to have cable that's another story um so (laughs) let's talk about these winners this is the first time likely in sag history that the four top individual film honors were awarded to people of color Mm -hmm. all deserved 
though. Absolutely. Uh, best motion picture ensemble was The Trial of Chicago 7. Mm-hmm. Best male actor in a leading role motion picture, The Chat with Bozeman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, of course. Best female actor in a leading role motion picture, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So happy. The only the second Black woman to win this category, Halle Berry, was the other. Of course. Mm-hmm. Best ensemble in a drama series, The Crown. Best male actor in a drama series, Jason Bateman for Ozark. I was rooting for you, Ray J. <laughs> best female <laughs> actor. Jean. <laughs> best female actor in a drama series, Jillian Anderson, The Crown. Deserved. Best female actor in a supporting role motion picture, Yu Jung Yoon Minari. Best male actor in a supporting role motion picture, Daniel Kalua, Judas and the Black Messiah. Best Ensemble in a Comedy Series, Schitt's Creek. Yes. Best Female Actor in a Comedy Series, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek. Love, love, love. Best Male Actor in a Comedy Series, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. I should go back just to see his acceptance speech. I just need Mm -hmm. to see if he did better. (laughs) I just need to know. Best Female Actor in a Limited Series or TV Movie, Anya Taylor-Joy, The Queen's Gambit. Guys, go back and listen to our part one and part two recaps of The Queen's Gambit if you have not. Yes. Best Male Actor in a Limited Series or TV Movie, Mark Ruffalo. I know this much is true. I still haven't watched that, but... Same. Her good things. I don't know if it's it's way on down the list (laughs) sorry mark love you best action performance by a stunt ensemble in a tv series the mandalorian sorry cobra kai yes best action performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture wonder woman 1984 so those are just rounding out the list of the winners delora Please let me know what your fashion moment of the night was. I have to be honest again, I went to Vogue because there were no red carpet pictures that I could find, but Mm -hmm. I have my tops. Who were yours? Ashley, I'm going to give it up for the boys. The men. Giving it to the boys. Showed up and showed out. Aldous Hodge in that print suit. Granted, was I in love with the suit entirely? No, but he looked amazing when he took the jacket off. I don't know. If you saw <laughs> no, I saw that. I liked the jacket itself. I was like, okay, I'm feeling um, it. Our boy Dan Lovey. Always. I mean, it's just reggae Jean. They just came with it. Even Leslie Odom Jr., even though I didn't love all the colors in his suit, I just appreciate him willing to take a chance you know men don't take these type of chances and the dudes are sh- showing up and showing out and i appreciated that greatly what about absolutely. you absolutely i wanted to love his suit by the way but i did but i appreciated just... it like you did or it's like i appreciate the effort more yes. than the look itself absolutely but leslie you did your thing um my top reggae jean page is definitely <laughs> my best dressed man of the night i said all black everything <laughs> You're you're killing me. You're killing me. You look so good. Jesus. And then on the lady side, though, Journey, Smollett came and that Zuhair Murad, beautiful flowing pink dress. She gave me the neckline and the leg. Oh, Oh. my gosh. She looks beautiful. Breathtakingly beautiful. That's one of my favorite looks I've ever seen on her. So period period, poo. So. (laughs) 
So those are my uh, fashion highlights. And Anna as well. Joy, you can't forget her. She, she looks regal as always. As always. There were multiple dresses that I really loved, but I can love a dress and not love the way that it looks on the person. Yes. So I appreciated that to me, this was a higher level of fashion the way we have had at mm-hmm. some of the other award shows we've talked about, but those were my favorite overall. Like, ugh, you body And the last this. thing I'm going to say to that is I was watching, I believe it was Daily Pop and someone made a point that the celebrities seem more comfortable during these shoots, you know, dressing up for award season this year because they're at home. Yeah. They don't have to worry about, you know, the pressure of walking that red carpet and finding the perfect pose. When you're at home, you you find your perfect pose and you post it. Absolutely. I mean, you had Carrie Washington in a pool. In a pool. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Y'all are setting y'all, I mean, this is Hollywood and y'all get to have probably some amazing photographer come Mm -hmm. over and capture you in your best light and best angles. I mean, yes, I totally would get that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to move on from the fun stuff to a couple of not so fun, hot topics. Um, First, prayers up for sure to DMX, who suffered a heart attack as a result of a drug overdose on Friday. Um, For those of you who are not familiar, DMX is a rapper, also an actor, been Mm -hmm. in the game for quite a long time. Um, He was rushed to the hospital in New York and remains there in a coma and on life support with, unfortunately, little brain function. Yeah. Reports indicate he has not regained any of his brain functionality after some tests that were performed yesterday. But um, there has been massive support shown for him. Hundreds of people, including his kids and his fiance, were outside of the hospital on Monday night for a prayer vigil. Um, Obviously, limited number who can actually go in and visit him due to COVID restrictions. Um, I got a reminder when I was looking this stuff up that, you know, he did a versus. We last saw him back in July of last year when he faced off with Snoop. In a versus oh battle. Yeah. I so, didn't even see that one. Yeah. So, you know, definitely, I remember it's going to be one of those that I remember kind of where I was and when I heard about it. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? What are your thoughts on it? Were you a DMX fan? Are you a DMX fan? Of course. I'm not as heavy as a lot of people like in that versus. I probably would have been more Snoop than DMX just based off of the catalog that I know personally. But mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw. DMX's video for what? What's his first hit? His first hit. I can't uh, remember. Y'all gonna make me lose my? Is that him? Yes, that's definitely him. Here, I don't know if that here. was his first hit because I'm terrible with song names. I'm gonna be totally yeah. honest. I I love artists and I will never remember their song names. So mm-hmm. I'm the wrong one to ask. Well, that's one of the first music videos where I I remember distinctly that voice, his face. Yes, and I was like in middle school or something crazy, but it was. Of course, I love DMX, and he's a prayer warrior, and so it's just like, uh, this is just so sad, so sad. For sure, and I think, you know, I knew that he had battled, openly battled substance abuse for a very long time and addiction, but I think it still always hurts when you have these people in Hollywood who are successful, who are beloved, and you wonder what type of help they really get behind the scenes because, you know, not to say that people are not rooting for them to get better, but that's some people's money maker. You know what I mean? I just don't know if the care have concern. a lot of yes people. Yeah. So they, don't, they don't have the accountability that's needed 
it's, I, it's sometimes. just sometimes I don't know if there's the care and concern there when you reach a certain level of celebrity. And we've seen so many of our most beloved icons die due to drug use. And so it just, you know, it's just really sad. I'm definitely praying for him and his family Absolutely. and hoping that and somehow he can pull the through. the headline I saw right before this podcast is they're talking about his family's going to have to make a hard decision. Yeah. Because that was what they did the test for. They mm-hmm. wanted to do the test just to see where he stood and then would have to decide from there. So mm-hmm. again, we're keeping he, him and his family in our prayers. So talking about his hits, the radio stations, I keep hearing them playing a lot. And so mm-hmm. I was just singing the one he did with Cisco. Mm-hmm. There was Brenda, Letitia, Linda, <laughs> Felicia, Dawn, LaShawn, Inez, yes. and Alicia. Like that is probably one of the most memorable for me just because of them names. I always sing that song, but he had so many that I love. The song with Aaliyah from the Romeo yes. Must Die soundtrack. Yes. I mean, I just, I was, I'm definitely a fan of DMX. I've always liked his rap style, but other than that, he's just a human being. And I hope that for that, for his sake, he's able to pull through. Absolutely. So our last hot topic, Delora, we have not talked about this, but I think it's about time. T.I. and Tiny Girl. Do we have to? We do. I got to get your thoughts. The world needs to know. So (laughs) T.I. and Tiny are potentially facing a criminal investigation. The couple has been accused of engaging in a series of criminal acts, including drugging, rape, and kidnapping. The allegations were first brought to light after a former friend of the couple, Sabrina Peterson, began sharing stories of alleged victims on her Instagram account in January of 2021. Since then, dozens of women have come forward with similar stories of abuse. It's a hot topic this week, especially because three more women have come forward with accusations in the past week, now totaling 14. None of the accusers, though, have shared their names. MTV has suspended production on their series, T.I. and Tiny, Friends and Family Hustle, and T.I. and Tiny themselves have denied, vehemently denied, all allegations. So, Delora, give me your thoughts. It's very unfortunate. Speaking of favorite rappers, T.I. was mine growing up. Mm. I had a crush on the small man. I say that because I'm pretty tall. Um, You know, I hope those women get the justice they're looking for. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some crazy stuff going on. You know what I mean? And they took it too far. Honestly, if you really want to keep it 100, the way T.I. was overbearing to his daughter and her virginity kind of is a mm. signal for me mm. of like how the overreach was too much yeah and to me a potential flag mm. so wh- what about you i have definitely had this story in the background in terms of all the things that you know are out there but yes. now that we're reaching such a level of accusers it's mm-hmm. hard to ignore and not that I was ignoring it but I'm saying it's becoming more it's like where there's smoke there's fire yes. yeah it's harder and harder to be like oh that's probably just a rumor you know what I mean and and I understand that feeling too because for me it's like well I'll we'll see if this die da- dies down or not right? yeah to see yeah. if it's if it needs my attention and mm-hmm. I cannot treat because to your point I was also a a big fan of T.I. I mean he was popping 
<laughs> for uh, during the time of like being, being in high school and you know it, yes. it's he definitely has a special place for me in that way but he's yep. still a human being him and tiny yep. are still human beings and yep. i can't i don't know these people so <laughs> exactly. i can't hold them to any other standard than i hold anybody else and as you know personally when i talk about these sorts of cases i'm a believer in the victims you know yes. i want to hear the accusers out i want to i need these facts to be um you know, discussed and for things to be investigated before I would feel, you know, that things are resolved. So it's not going to be just, oh, dismiss that because those are rumors. Well, at this point, if you have 14 women coming out and accusing you of all these types of allegations, then yes, I'm going to need a criminal investigation. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm And, And unfortunately, based on some of the stories that I've read today preparing, they're saying that Tiny was more of the ringleader than T.I., which would be very hurtful for me personally. Yes. So again like almost like a madame role kind of right well i mean even going back to the jeffrey epstein case and situation yep. and he used his girlfriend yeah it's just yes. it's a it's a different level when a woman does it things is. to you it's um, very manipulative right it's they, manipulative they use the women to to lure the girls or make them quote unquote feel safe right yeah it's manipulative and it's also really tragic to think yes. that another woman would put you in that situation um yes. but again that's where i'm at with it just because now we've reached a, a fever pitch of this is no longer something where it's like oh this may just be a he said she said because i remember that initial post by sabrina i remember that initial dust up and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like this case is going anywhere so that's what I got, Delora. And if you have nothing else, honey, those are our headlines and hot topics of the day. Thank you, Ashley. It is now time for the recap. We are recapping this week, Tina, the documentary. It is an HBO music slash documentary. It premiered March 27th, 2021. It is an hour and 58 minutes. So here's the summary of the documentary. With a wealth of never before seen footage, audio tapes, personal photos, and new interviews, including with the singer herself, Tina presents an unvarnished and dynamic account of the life and career of music icon Tina Turner. Everything changed when Tina began telling her story, a story of trauma and survival that gave way to a rebirth as the record-breaking queen of rock and roll. But behind closed doors, the singer struggled with the survivor narrative that meant her past was never fully behind her. Directed by Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin, the documentary charts Tina's early fame, the private and public personal and professional struggles, and her return to the world stage as a global phenomenon in the 80s. All right, Ashley. So I'm just going to highlight the director and the producers and a few notable commentators um, in the documentary here okay so as as i mentioned dan Lindsay and tj martin are directors and the producers are simon chin jonathan chin 
both of them also did the Whitney documentary that came out a couple of years ago. Okay. And good to know. Uh, Diana Becker. And then the production company is Lightbox. And as I mentioned in the summary, uh, Tina Turner herself is featured um, in interviews, as well as Angela Bassett, Oprah Winfrey, Kirk Lauder, who's her autobiographer for Itina that came out in the 80s, Katori Hill. She is the writer uh, and creator of the Tina Turner musical, Broadway musical. And she's also the creator and writer on P, P Valley, which is, I know, very popular that comes on stars. <laughs> and they also interview her husband, Erwin Bach. All right, Ashley, this film is getting a lot of love. So Rotten Tomatoes has 92% from critics, yes, 94% from audience, and Google users give it 94%. Wow. What's your grade, Ashley, on this documentary? Uh, this grade is absolutely an A. Um, I loved this so much. Uh, I had to write my thoughts down. I just, I said... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I said to give this living legend her flowers while she can still smell them and potentially yes. introduce her to a new generation was beyond satisfying for me. It was a beautiful reminder, even for me, of my appreciation of her artistry. Absolutely. A lot of the info, especially about her early years, were mm -hmm. brand new for me. And yeah. I loved knowing more about her. I love the way that they set this up in five acts. I love that it was a love, almost a love letter from her husband and from all of her fans just to say, mm -hmm. we respect you, we appreciate you, and we will always love you. And for always. that, this got an A for me. Fantastic. Well, Ashley, this film gets an A for me as well. Whoop, whoop. I love me some Tina Turner. So random, random note about myself. I attended Bowling Green State University, which is surprisingly one of the top pop culture co uh, colleges in the country. They have a wow. pop culture major. Wow. And so guess who took electives? <laughs> I did. I did. And I remember being in college writing reports on boy bands and Tina Turner. Wow. So I, I wrote a whole paper about it. Actually, this is how far back I love Tina, right? My husband, who was just my friend because we were both RAs together, was there when I was writing my report on Ike and Tina Turner. <laughs> Dave's like, I remember you writing that paper. <laughs> Well, shout out to BGSU for not only helping with your love of Tina, but for your love of your husband as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. We're falcon flames. That's what they call people who fell in love in college. So in any case, obviously grew up on the film, where, which was, you know, my first introduction to her life, obviously. But then, I mean, I, honestly, all of the songs immediately came rushing in from you're simply the best absolutely What's which is my favorite simply the best is my favorite i love her old stuff um river deep mountain high like so anyway uh 
I just feel like I try not to dwell on the Ike and Tina songs because I, I feel like she wouldn't want me to, I guess. I don't I know how else to put that. I feel you. Yeah. But again, in my pop culture class, I learned about Phil Spector and his wall of sound, which mm-hmm. was big for that time. So Yeah, and didn't get the love it deserved, right? It did not, no. Yeah. So part one and part two, Ike and Tina and family. All right, Ashley. Part of the reason why I love this documentary so much is because you really got some amazing never before seen type of pictures and mm-hmm. videos. I was so impressed with that. Yes. Um, so the film starts off talking about her 1981 People Magazine article mm-hmm. where she first documented her story with Ike. It was so unlike me, my life. It was not a good life. Like the way she was so detached from her life in that way was just very heartbreaking. And go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, I ha- I don't, I have no idea what it's like to have had to deal with domestic abuse and then move forward with your life. One would think she may have had to do that as not only a defense mechanism, but also maybe she reached a point where she was like, I don't know how I ever put up with that shit. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, who was I? Yeah. Who was that person? Yes. Can I also say too, when this started, my first thought was the legs. Okay. It's always the legs, My Ashley. God, it, Tina. When I tell you, it is body yaddy yaddy all the, the whole time. time. My, me and my mom looked up what she said her workout routine was because I was like, ma'am, your body stay tight and right. Well, you know, and it's one thing to, obviously, Tina Turner has always been there, you know, in, in the stratosphere all of our lives right mm-hmm. um but being able to be at the age we are now and to see her life and put things in perspective yes um also blows my mind as well because i'm like that's a 40 year old woman on that cover with those legs looking okay. amazing and even just the energy <laughs> when we get to some of her performances yes. she kept that energy i mean again the true entertainer time. true entertainer exactly she was amazing and so she she tells her story and uh, they also give you give you more perspective that people magazine was that publication which i knew i think people magazine started losing their grip probably more recently like most print (laughs) yeah publications when it when it can't comes to social media but 30 million readers back in the day girl jesus exactly exactly but i also like how they translated it to something that tangible that a younger person watching it like this is the equivalent of going viral you know that's why you know people's most beautiful or sexiest man alive was so important because that was the that was it that was the say and everyone believed it you know from there (laughs) on so but yeah so we get started with the introduction of Ike and Tina. So Tina talked about how Ike's band, the Kings of Rhythm, was the first band that she ever saw. Uh, she said that the relationship was very brotherly, sisterly, um, because she was much younger than Ike at the time. And her real name is Anna Mae Bullock. She was so impressed by the band that she wanted to sing and they didn't give her the time of day until she picked up the microphone herself so her initiative got her heard (laughs) and um one of the things that i also thought was interesting was that i 
Ike's a music legend. And, and I, you know, it's Truly. hard to say these things because of the type of person he was, especially towards her. But right. to know, to understand that he was part of the first rock and roll song, uh, 1951's Rocket 88. Yeah, that was fascinating. Yeah, and even the fact that he was cool with BB King, talking about his Girl. mother practically raised BB King. I'm like, wait, what? Exactly, exactly. But because you know, this this happened a lot during this time, early in the music industry. We kind of talked about this in my rainy, how people like to take songs and go and mm-hmm. not give proper credit. I never got his due until right. he paired up with Tina. So their first big hit was A Fool in Love, 1960. Uh, They talked about how because Tina was so young, she didn't really have much ambition. And essentially, Ike exploited that. And because of his past hurt, he had this weird grip on her. So much so that he threw this name on her, Tina Turner. Completely without her permission or knowledge. Or anything, like you mentioned, no no knowledge. And I was really fascinated by this part, Ashley, when they talked about the origin of her name and how it's based off of Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Obviously, I'm looking at the old video of that show in 2021 eyes, but it's just like really this this perfectly quiet blonde white woman in the jungle swinging on trees. <laughs> I mean, it was an era clearly because even when Tina talked about some of the early influences on her in terms of beauty and fashion and all these things, it was white women. So yes, it just yes. showed you the lack of diversity. Obviously, that was available. Yes. For black people to look at and say in, in pop culture and say, oh, that could be me. You know, it's more so just the fantasy of like, oh, well, I love that. I hope I aspire to that at some point in time. But yeah, it was definitely like, that's where you got that name. Okay. I guess. Right. So Sheena and Tina sounds like Sheena. So they went with it. But I, the one thing I agree with is I do like the double letter name. So Tina Turner, I did. I, that is, I do like that. <laughs> the alliteration of it all. <laughs> yes, I do like that. <laughs> so they really go into the abuse, unfortunately, right away. And she talked about how he would just beat her and then have sex with her shortly yeah. after. I, and so to me, while I was hearing this, I immediately thought, oh my goodness, this is spousal rape, you know, For sure. um, because unfortunately a trigger warning, I'm so sorry. I should have said that before, but you know, we found that rape is more so about dominance and not about any type itself. of exactly the sex itself. And I'm like, you, I, I don't even want to imagine the mind fuckery of all that. You know what I mean? And she having was, to be available for him. She was pregnant when it first started. I mean, that's yes. another level. So you don't care for her and you have no care for the life of your unborn child. And then he would also make her go out and perform. So not only are you beating yes. her, spousally raping her, you're also forcing her out on stage and then claiming that it's her fault that you're beating her. So then you're gaslighting her. Like it just had to have been, I think I put in my notes that it had to have been so scary to see that switch because she talked about how early on it was that familial love it was like somebody that 
you could trust, nothing would ever happen. So to see that switch once you guys get married and to see yes. that ugliness and to have him be the one who abuses you yes. it had to be horrific. You know what I mean? Horrific. Because it's, it's somebody that you initially had complete trust and faith in. Yes. Someone you looked up to. She was idolized so him. Exactly. Idolized him. Exactly. Girl, and he also ran a very tight ship. I put nonstop because they they played four shows a night and they were all packed. And so much so, if any of his musicians, you know, blew a note, they had to pay ten dollars. And in the uh, late 50s, 60s, $10 was a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. And then they would say he would make her continue to sing like on the bus in between gigs. Like, ma'am. She didn't even know what song was popping up next. To me, yeah. that was insane. But yeah. she's like, in, in a way, it was training. And sometimes I, I do have, I struggle with the, these type of stories because I immediately, immediately think of Joe Jackson, right? Mm. <laughs> like, like, you know, he also was known to run, run a very tight ship. And it's like these domineering men, right? Yeah, which makes me think now of that eight, of that Atlanta episode, the weird, creepy Atlanta episode. Uh, wow, wow. <laughs> because I just feel like he was supposed to be the example of what those type of dominant male figures does to somebody. Like, it's just, mm. it really creeps me out so much. Oh, my gotcha. God. Anyway. <laughs> So they were getting a lot of um, a lot of work. They were doing a lot of shows. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was that, you know, Ike was the one creating the songs and managing them and things like that. But he had a sound to him, right? Yeah. And they felt like Tina was such a talent that she was she was bigger than him. And, and they were saying that he might have kind of felt that too. And that brings us to 1966, where she worked with Phil Spector on River Deep Mountain High. Phil had to pay Ike to leave the studio so he can work with her. Mind you, he was the, you know, Timberland of his day. Yeah, he was the top pop producer, as Kurt Loder says in his interview. Exactly. And as you mentioned, Ashley, it did not do anything in the United States. I think it has more more weight now but in terms of hitting the billboards in 1966 it didn't do it one could say that was just purely due to racism though to a certain extent because the way they said it like you you can't black artists weren't able to be a lot of different genres or to be put in a lot of different genres and find success so because it didn't fit in the mold of r&b oh then it couldn't go number one on the r&b charts you know what i mean didn't make mean the song was bad it means that they didn't know how to market it to find make it successful and that was one of the things that I, I did appreciate that that interview that Ike was talking about that exact same thing. Um, I thought that was fascinating. All right. So part two, the family. So during all this hard working, they have four boys at home, Ashley. Yeah. So two of them, Ike and Michael, were Ike's kids with his first wife, Lorraine. Uh, Craig, who is Tina's son with a saxophonist and then Ronnie, which is the the son that they had together and they all lived in LA together and Tina were, was their mother. 
I wonder what the Lorraine story was. I didn't get a chance to get any information on that, but it's like those boys were, they called Tina their mom, you know yeah, what I mean? I didn't dig into that either, but I thought that was interesting. And also Craig being adopted by Ike, like, so his dad didn't want to raise him either. You know what yes. I mean? They didn't really elaborate on why the family came to be how it was, but I'll say the neglect of the kids, even by Ike and Tina, unfortunately, yes. really hurt me really hurt me yes because i i was gonna get to that eight months on the road three months back that's no time yeah she missed a lot yeah but then at the same time you know they're working their butts off to keep the house and to get food on the table so and at the end of the day the way we are receiving info tina had no choice right it was not up to her Yes. And one of the things that was so fascinating, and I think we kind of knew this, but she talked about how she didn't have any friends and that she was on a, on an allowance. Um, yeah. Ashley, I just, I was like, can you believe working your butt off and just only being on an allowance? She is Tina freaking Turner. And it's also uh, her oldest son, Craig committed suicide in 2018. So yes. I think that's what makes this section a little bit more palpable because yes just the weight of it is different yep so yep. to hear about these traumatic events that happened when they were children and stuff just makes you wonder how much of that played into later things that happened in his life but definitely from tina's perspective heartbreaking yeah and so to your point um an old interview where craig is talking about seeing some of the encounters with ike and tina and I threw hot coffee on her. Third degree burns. Her. And then, you know, the fact that he heard all the beating on the other side of the door and all his mom could say, it's, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Ugh. And then he only apologized for the burns, uh, but not actually throwing the coffee. Like, yeah. again, Too the much. mind fuck of, of it all. It's like, too much to Freaking bear. Hugh Grant's character in The Undoing. Like, they're insane. They're Go insane. back and catch that recap if y'all have not listened to it. It definitely takes a special type of person somehow. to and, and I find it both understandable and also infuriating that we get this perspective that, oh, but he had his own demons. He had his own flaws. But that does not justify exactly. the cruelty and torture that you put Tina through. I understand that she has to find her forgiveness, but I was pissed girl, girl, watching yes. this. It was, it was unnerving. So one of the questions that was posed in this documentary was why, why does she stay? And they go further back into her childhood. Ashley, her parents were sharecroppers in Nutbush, Tennessee, and they had an abusive relationship. Yeah. And one day her mom left and then her dad and they stayed with a cousin and her parents never came back. They had no support. That was mind blowing. That is something I had no knowledge of prior to watching either. this. That I was mind blowing. And so it, it, it makes so much sense that again, she met Ike when she was like in her teens, still in, High school. She, talked, she talked about how when she finally were, was working with them, she would dress like a woman at night and then wear her schoolgirl clothes at, in the day. So it makes sense that she probably gravitated towards this man and put too much trust in him because he was in some ways taking care of her, right? 
but yeah he was like a put up with his bullshit yeah (laughs) if you if you didn't feel loved by your parents which we've talked about this in previous podcasts your parents are the foundation of your life that leave a lasting impact on you forever yes absolutely and it got so bad ashley that she attempted to kill herself she she said that she had a bottle of sleeping pills and one day she decided to take them and she still showed up to rehearsal and then she lost lost consciousness and then they were able to regain her but that interview that clip Mm. of ike talking Mm. about why did she do it Mm. was disgusting ashley i think i could have hated him less if he'd ever admitted or expressed remorse for what he done what he he did did. he He tried to blame he tried to blame her suicide on his womanizing and her essentially trying to please him not on the fact that you were beating her ass on the regular exactly what are you talking about girl but i'm so happy that she found religion she found her confidence and she found her voice it after that suicide attempt she was introduced to buddhism Mm -hmm. and through chanting she was able to mentally liberate herself to where (laughs) she was vibing on a different frequency okay ashley yeah (laughs) She said, I stopped caring what I thought about me. I stopped caring about any of that. I was receiving, okay? I was receiving what the universe had to offer me. That was, that was so important. And I love when she, when she talked about finding her confidence. They had a video doing a performance. And she was like, respect is all I want. And especially <laughs> women. I was like, she had her ovaries on display she did because she said men always get what they want don't they they're out there in those streets it makes us women think we want to be out there in them streets too must be something good out there i loved it i loved it i loved it and to go back to your question real quick about why she stayed i also think loyalty played such a big role in it because she talked about how she made ike a promise that she wouldn't leave him and back then a promise was a promise and i think that that mentality harmed her so much i i love loyalty i think that is a a staple of a great human being but in this case people in the world absolutely but But in this case yes when this man is doing you such harm that that's when I that's when I give you your grace, baby. You go ahead and leave. Exactly. You have to reserve loyalty to people who who deserve it. Absolutely. So Ashley, she got sick and tired of being sick and tired. So this epic scene when she leaves Ike is also featured in the fantastic movie What Love Got to Do with It. In the car on the way to the airport, he offered her melted chocolate and all she said was, uh, and he hit her. Yep. Showed the level that they had gotten to where he just hauled off for absolutely no reason. I mean, you have people no say that as well. Reason. That And it was the drug use, right? That like he was using yes. drugs heavily at the time, all of that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it had definitely reached a point where it seemed like any, he would find any reason to be physically abusive towards her and... I just don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't know what would have happened to Tina if she hadn't found the strength to leave, you know, and I don't want to even really think about it. No, me either. But she had time that day and she fought back and he didn't even know what to do with it. The music, the score that that Mm -hmm. was chosen for that scene, I Mm -hmm. felt liberated. I felt it. Absolutely. It was, 
again, this documentary is definitely a beautiful film. She mentioned that she went to the Ramada Inn. She only had a mobile card and 36 cents to her. And she had a promise to the, the manager and said, hey, if you give me this, this room, I promise to pay you back. And she said the next day was the 4th of July. I thought that was powerful. Absolutely. Independence Day is the day that she got her freedom. No money, no car, no house. I'm going to start calling Independence Day Tina Turner Day. Amen. That's better. Much. You know, we only recognize Juneteenth at this point. But she was able to keep her name. So now that takes us to part three, the comeback. Ashley... In that divorce, as I mentioned, she had nothing but her name and all the bills, apparently. Right, right. Because she was responsible for taking care of these kids. So she was working cabaret shows in Las Vegas. So you have a 40-something-year-old performer, you know, doing any job that she can, including TV, like Hollywood Squares or the variety shows with uh, Cher. First of all, can we talk about the the epicness of just seeing Cher and Tina Turner on the same stage <laughs> wearing their skimpy clothes? Yeah. I'm sorry, wearing their Bob Mackie clothes, okay? Like, legendary, okay? Legendary. I just could not imagine what it would have been like to see <laughs> Tina Turner in Vegas back in the day, you I know? know. Wow. And she was doing a bunch of covers, but one thing that... She, I loved about this part, Ashley. This woman had a dream and her dream was clear. So she um, met up with her manager, Roger Davies. And his first question to her was, what do you want? I want to take a moment really quick and talk about how it is imperative if you want anything in life to know exactly what it is you want and I say that because I have been in situations where I'm like but I don't know what I want but it's like (laughs) when you know what you want and you know it with a level of clarity like she did she said I want to be the first black rock and roll singer to pack football stadiums yes when we talk about how specific this is it is so necessary to have specifics okay and I bring this up because this is going to be valid later on. I just, I just appreciate how she was just exactly just sure of herself what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And again, she, at that point, she was considered washed up and she had the shadow of Ike haunting her everywhere she went. Delora, can you imagine being asked repeatedly about your abuser publicly? Girl. That hurt me just watching. Every time. I felt like I'm getting PTSD from every single interview. Where's Ike? How's Ike? Da 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 Ike. Da 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 Ike. If y'all only knew. So, so rude and uncomfortable. But again, they didn't know. These places ask the same questions all the time. And they didn't know at that point yet. They didn't know. So, And, and they didn't. Well, her and her manager managed to get her band together. She. They were unclear on the image at the point because, again, she was doing cabaret shows. So she was lingering on to how people knew her in the I Can Turner review. So she changed her hair. She got rid of the Bob Mackie clothes. She went for the short dress. The thing that had me cracking up was talking about her band wearing black karate suits. I know. And they all get to wear different colored belts. Like, okay. (laughs) But she, like, to your point earlier, she had such a specific vision. And she was like, oh, it looked a little raggedy. But rock and roll is a little raggedy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And girl, her manager was able to get her a deal. But of course, the 
record company had new management. Oh, child. Girl, I have what in capital letters with exclamation points and question marks following. Okay, so the guy who signed her was really upset because he didn't want the new management to drop her because he he believed in her. And they talk about how one of the execs said the following you're the one who signed the old nigger douchebag and the fact that the guy was like yeah i I did and i'm really happy about it that's the part where i was also feeling some kind of way too it's like where's the real allyship here i know he eventually went on his knees and had to stare down and beg to keep her on the record um record label but how about we not refer to her as an old nigger douchebag it makes me wish that she had more options at the time because I want, I don't feel like they deserve, if, if that's the case, if you're racist and you're blatantly racist and you're saying things like this, you didn't deserve Tina Turner at Capitol Records. Period. Fuck y'all. Period. Like, it just makes me so upset because, you know, all of, all of this type of behavior is coming to light today, but this has been going on for a very long time. These- Absolutely. And this was, again, blatantly said to an employee at the time about this artist. So the fact that Tina goes on to become, as we know her, the Tina Turner as a solo artist, y'all didn't deserve her based off of this conversation. And it really makes me glad that artists today have much more license and flexibility to do what they need to do. And kind of go off and do their own thing. Well, to the extent of the fact that technology is improving the chances that they can do things outside of the big record label mentality that was always yeah. your only option before the big machine exactly Absolutely. exactly okay. yeah Oh, but they kept her and they said they will do absolutely nothing for her. And we've heard about deals like this in the past where they'll sign people on, but they don't support them in marketing or anything, frankly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you're on your own. And so Tina and her manager got to work and they felt like England was where they needed to be for her to thrive. Because, you know, at that point in the early 80s, hip-hop was taken i mean rock was pretty strong don't get me wrong but not her type of rock was thriving so they went to europe because europe loves tina so she felt like she was able to do to make this move because her kids were in their 20s she didn't have any friends in america because they if she did they were all tied to her ex ike right um so then begins the era of what love got to do with it in 1984 one of the things that i loved about this was that she hated the song originally right (laughs) and i also love the fact that it was a cover and i had no idea because like like the man who wrote the song this is tina turner's song absolutely that's like most people do not know that i will always love you is a cover for whitney houston because Dolly parton wrote that song it is whitney houston's song to everyone but Besides Dolly, who's getting them checks and is like, thank you, boo. Wait, she gives you credit all the time. (laughs) And honestly, Dolly has always been a, you know, songwriter. But I think the checks, the real good checks started coming in after that song. No, absolutely. Everybody forgets the Bodyguard soundtrack (laughs) 
broke records at the yes. time in terms of a soundtrack of a film. I mean, it was still legendary, undeniable. So yeah, legendary. absolutely. Had no idea that was a cover. When I heard the original, I was like, oh, that's so 80s pop, right? I get why exactly. it didn't move you. Exactly. But I'm glad. I mean, that's that's your song, girl. So and and I have in my notes at this section, sweet, sweet success. Mm-hmm. What's love got to do with it? Ugh, girl, 20 million sold. It won record of the year at the Grammys. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone. They toured the world 230 shows in 18 months. And they had the audience of 15 to 60 years old of age. Yeah. Like it is just this was so phenomenal and it took her two weeks to record it It, the album itself is called private dancer of course that cover yes everything everything but but don't call it a comeback y'all because she said in her mind it was her debut it was and i appreciate her saying that because i can i can see that this was her first time being solo by herself this was her coming out the only thing that makes me upset is she got cut off because she if had she been able to do these things younger her career would have been longer that is my only issue but i get it it is destiny it is what it is it's life she's not upset about it so i'm gonna let it go yeah that's true and she had to be ready for that she had to have that confidence in Mm -hmm. herself and in her voice Mm -hmm. and she wasn't there yet but honestly by her having the success in her 40s is so much sweeter because it, it proves that you don't have to do everything in your 20s. <laughs> For sure. I just wonder what music she would have made if she had been able to be solo back. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. it's the music and the artistry that I wonder mm-hmm. about. Like, girl, what would you but have been doing that, and talking about? She was that bitch in the 80s, Ashley. <laughs> she no, was- she clearly <laughs> was. She was the Tina Turner, which, by the way, I'm going to be Tina Turner for Halloween one year very oh, soon girl. off of this documentary. All I need that is my wig. wig. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all I need is my wig. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm gonna be posting. I'm gonna post I'm on the. I'm gonna post on wig. the recap and IG because I'm telling y'all, I'm doing Tina Turner. Okay. Love it. Love it. <laughs> all right. Part four: the story. Uh, so at this point, she has immense success. She's in the Mad Max movie, um, looking amazing. Looking amazing. Okay. But girl, after all of this success, people are still asking about Ike. Yes. She and thought so, the People magazine article was going to stop it. It didn't. It didn't. So what did she do? She wrote a book. She had an autobiographer write her story, I, Tina. This book came in 1986. One of the things that she kept saying throughout this documentary, especially during this time, she kept talking about, this ridiculously embarrassing story of my life. Like, she's embarrassed by this story, Ashley. Because again, I think she reached a point. I mean, she, I keep saying this, but she is Tina Turner. And for anybody who's younger who doesn't understand, that's like me, like you saying Beyonce was once in an abusive relationship. Like, yes. it just doesn't jive with the idea, I think, of who she became, mm-hmm. even for herself. Like, I'm happy now. I'm living such a vibrant, full life. I can't imagine 
that that was something that I went through. And can I say real quick too on this part, I love that Kurt Loder was a part of this because I don't, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And I remember Kurt, Kurt Loder so vividly from interviews and MTV and all this mm-hmm. stuff, but mm-hmm. I had no idea that he helped write her biography. Yes. I loved that. Yes. And I also like it how he made the suggestion and he didn't, yeah. he didn't think that it was going to be him, but yeah, he, he was it. like, could be me, could be anybody, you know, could be me though. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes to me, it's a lesson in if you have a suggestion, you might be the one to do it and not wait for someone else to do it. But you also know? you need to be prepared to be the one to do it. Some people Very throw true. something out there and they're like, wait, wait, no, 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 not me. No, yeah, if you true. suggested this, be prepared for this blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Very right. Very true. But uh, the book then turned into the movie starring the legendary Angela Bassett. Like when I tell you she is Tina Turner and she was robbed for that Oscar for Best Actress. Yes, she I will never was. get over it. Yes, never, ever, she never, ever. was one of the biggest snubs, in my opinion, in Oscars history. It has to be because she, legendary. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I did enjoy uh, in this commentary, someone mentioned that Tina's story was bigger than her at this point, right? And that's mm-hmm. what made her an icon, that put her in that icon status because she became a beacon of hope for so many people. But Tina still was not having it at that Venice Film Festival. That was uncomfortable. Girl, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, Angela's face at Venice yes. Festival. She was like, no, I did not watch the film. Why would I want to watch it? I don't want to keep getting reminded of this. And I was like, what is Angela thinking right now? How is she feeling? Because this is something that is catapulting your career. But one can fully understand, obviously. But can you know something I found interesting is you can tell that artists are groomed, especially with interviews, because the way Mm. that Tina Turner speaks is the way that so many of those women in that era spoke mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. interviews i'm like it's just so such a cadence in the way that they yes you know say certain things i don't mm-hmm. know if anybody else picked up on that but that's the media training right there <laughs> but she also kept in 1000 she did Regardless she was completely how- honest but <laughs> it's just like, like, it's like you, can, curse. you can tell that there's a training that goes into the way that those artists in that era were groomed that's my mm-hmm. point not that she was not a hundred percent still oh herself. no no but i yeah. only say that because sometimes the media training they they teach you to either dodge or just not even deflect exactly not mm-hmm. even give the true answer she gave her true answer she's like i'm not watching it this is uh, it's like a curse yeah and even even i wrote the, the book so i could forget about this but it keeps exactly, coming up exactly <laughs> exactly and um one of the memorable behind the scene interviews that we saw when they asked her the, that question again and she was like i got a flash and sister pulled out that fan and yes. i was like now that's a diva okay she said, she said so we're gonna talk about this okay oh okay. somebody get me a fan i've I just had a flash <laughs> for real like i cannot again i can't imagine it and i just feel like to be as poised as she was throughout all of this she always still maintained her her um you know, integrity. She never got upset. She never got angry. Mm-hmm. It had to be eating away at her every single time though. So I just yeah. my hats off to her to hand for handling it so well, you exactly. know. Exactly. And Oprah's quote was super important to me at this point. She said, if 
you don't address wounds of your past you will always bleed yeah and then the film the film the way it was arranged i thought was beautifully done because Mm -hmm. it talks about then talks about her relationship with her mother yeah which was ugly take notes lee daniels this is how you structure a story (laughs) i'm just saying that's no shade, Why but I'm just saying. Why do you my breath like once an episode? <laughs> I swear. Goodness gracious, Ashley. Oh my gosh. So Tina pretty much said that her mom doesn't like her, Ashley, and that her mom seems to like her success, but not actually her. Oh my goodness. Hurt and, me deeply. And even that interview with her mom was kind of gross to me when the guy was like, what are you most proud of? And all she could talk about was her climbing a ladder. And, and I guess she's trying to point out that she was fearless. What did you think about that? She sounded like a stranger who was finding something, grasping at straws to find something to say. I watched this with my mom. My mom was like, she doesn't know her at all. She because doesn't. your mother well, should ooh. have an anecdote or two. <laughs> Had to. But the part where they said like, oh, were you there to help her? She's like, oh no, she did that by herself. Like, so that part was true. Yeah, because since you didn't give her a choice, you weren't there. That part. Yeah. But it's just like, what had her mother gone through? That's the one thing that I wish I knew. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. Tina even knows. What did her mother go through that made her the way that she was towards her own children? You know what I mean? Yes. Had to have been something. Not that I am giving her leeway in this behavior, but had to be something. Had to be something. But this is the part where I got emotional in multiple points in this um, documentary. One, the first time, and I, I didn't highlight it, but I'll highlight it here. When she performed in Rio in front of 186,000 people, I that goes back to what I was trying to say. She knew exactly what she wanted and the fact that she was able to do it yes. was phenomenal. Yes, Oh, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills just hearing it again. <laughs> and then the other part that I got emotional is when she talked about how she had never received love. Yes. And she lived her whole never life. Never had a genuine love it. affair mm-hmm. in her life. Mm-hmm. She said, I survived. She's like, not for my mother, not for my father. And the fact that she just said, I've, I just survived. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. The quote that I had written down from this uh, section was, I want a man without shame. Girl. I will receive it when I have earned it. But see, that part kind of made me feel sad too, because it's like, what what does earn mean? It is sad. It is sad to think that you feel like you have to do something more to be worthy of a man's love. That's why I quoted it, because it, Heart, it broke my heart like tina you have always been enough you've been more than always enough. more From than day enough. one period yeah yeah and so part five love amen jesus I, I do feel like i felt like this wasn't even long enough for my liking because um I don't know. It just, it, it makes me smile though. So it does, especially how they started it. I want a strong man to wear the trousers and not dominate me. And that's fair. And that's yes, fair. Sis. And they exist. Yes, I know. Sis. Like yes, they sis. exist, sis. Okay. Um, but then we cut to Erwin, her husband. Uh, he talked about the first time they met. Uh, they met at the airport. 
they are there's a major age gap between the two of them okay do your thing she's like they were celebrating her 50th birthday and he's in his 30s okay uh one of the things that blew my mind was like she she obviously was completely enamored by him but she's like when you come to LA, I want you to make love to me. I was like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> now that yes. is my kind of woman. The face yes. that she made in the interview, she was like, oh, I can't <laughs> believe I said that. Listen, I loved it. She was like, listen, I'm single. I didn't have no man. I like this yes. man and I wanted him to know. I want, well, you can get it if you want it. Yes. <laughs> When you come to LA, it, I want you it. to make love to me. Okay. I'm now I'm sure I'm sure people these days would not even say it that elegantly. No, <laughs> no, because we've gotten away from that even in our music. Okay. So oh, yes. <laughs> when she was talking about eat the booty like groceries, I was like, we've we've crossed a mark here. Girl. Like I, I don't think <laughs> and, and and if I ever meet Janae, we're gonna have a conversation because I saw an interview and she put that out there, knowing good and well, that ain't even something she like herself. So <gasps> really? Janae, yes, yes, she did an interview. Ooh. She do not so it's like sis, how you gonna put this out here in the public sphere? Yeah, because it because it, it sounded good. It sounded yeah. good. And it yeah, exactly. And people was like, Oh, you know, that was like the line of like that summer, remember? That song was hot. I remember very well. God. Basically, we get a a tour of their gorgeous Switzerland home. Like, even when you Google Tina Turner, they call her American Swiss Swiss singer. singer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they were together for a very long time before they got married, Ashley. 27 years, child. A long time. I will say, I feel like I wanted him to gush over her a little bit more, but I think language is a barrier for him just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But um, you could definitely see the love, you know. When he talked about it's like an electric charge and even Mm -hmm. hours after I've been away from her, I still feel it. Like, I felt that. It was like, we've we've reached this level of a mature love, but we still have such a deep connection Mm -hmm. with each other. So I thought it was beautiful. Yes. And I loved how they ended the documentary with Tina getting ready to see a Broadway musical named after her. Now you talk about, you talk about getting emotional. This, this got me. The end got me. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Elaborate. What other part? So it's just, it's, it was so satisfying to go back to my first statement about my grave, just to see this legendary artist who's respected, loved, appreciated, getting recognized while she's alive. And then that bittersweetness yes, yes. of the fact that this is her final act of her career and she knows it. Like, it was yes. just so moving. It gave yes. me chills. I think about how many of my favorite artists never made it to this point in their careers. Oh, yeah. And it just, it, it was, again, satisfying bittersweet you know Whitney's the one for me um bittersweet beautiful I want her to feel the love in that moment because she is somebody that again my appreciation just deepened so much watching this absolutely and then they ended it on my favorite song like I said the best so I just had all the feels (laughs) to learn I had all the feelings in my body So overall, I absolutely love this documentary. Here's my issue with this documentary, okay? 
my issue is they talk so much about how Ike was a shadow to her life, mm-hmm. but I felt like we still ended up talking about Ike substantially because even in this final act, they talked about his death and her feelings towards him. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was she can't even tell you whether or not it was a good thing that they met or not. She yeah. said, I don't know. Yeah. The only good thing I'm sure is her son, her child, at mm-hmm. least that, that they made together. But I think the way that I took it and I totally understand that Delora, cause again, I feel some type of way now, even referencing some of their hits as any of my favorites of hers. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I want to pay respect to the fact that you kind of want to distance is, from that. To? Cause if the money's going to the kids now, yeah. maybe I feel a little bit better listening to some old stuff, but she doesn't I, have any connection to that. No, anymore. that would be whatever his estate is. And if mm-hmm. he actually still managed to, cause who knows if he sold off any of the rights of that yeah. while he was still alive. But I will say that the only, the only solace I took to that point is that she spoke of forgiveness. And I think that she's saying basically that she understands why they will always be intersecting and interlinked and interlocked. And she had to make peace with that Mm -hmm. in order to move forward and be able to live her best life. So Mm -hmm. that that's the only solace that I could take from from him being having to be such a big part of her story. Well said. Uh, she was such a trailblazer. Her resiliency is just iconic and the hard work the hard work the fact that in the midst of her success she was still doing stadiums and small clubs like this woman was working okay you see where the beyonce's and some of the artists today who everybody says oh my god their work ethic like that was the norm that That was was the norm the the norm of our living legends it was and and that was my other caveat i'm glad that you put that in there too i wish there was a section of of appreciation of Tina by her peers Mm -hmm. okay so I wish there was like a Mick Jagger or Rob Stewart or even a Quincy Jones to say something and then I wish there was also uh younger artists so I'm talking like a Janet or Mm -hmm. a Madonna or a Gaga or Beyonce talked about her influence yeah I really wish there was a section that talked Uh, an appreciation section but also like you mentioned talk about her influence in in their artistry as well maybe that can be some type of subsequent again i think this was a love letter to tina herself absolutely yes so in that regard i completely respect it as the full body of work that they gave us i hope Mm -hmm. that the beyonce's and those who do watch this are like hey I think we should do some a follow-up and we talk about how we feel yeah. about Tina and XYZ. I think that would be a beautiful addition to this story for sure. But like you mentioned, that's that's very true because the the interviews they had, the pictures they had, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them before. I'm sure no one's ever seen them before. But mm-hmm. any final thoughts for you, Ashley? I'm glad we recapped this, Delora. Yay, I really our first documentary i really really enjoyed this so much and i hope that more stories like this get to be made about people who were phenomenal because you guys deserve to be recognized and appreciated while you're still around Absolutely. you know let's not just Absolutely. make these 20 30 years after people have passed away so exactly. yeah i loved it great job Thank you. Excellent job. I'm so glad she had her fingers in it too. She's a producer as well. So yes, Tina. (laughs) All All right. right. With that, 
it's time for ready gems. Mm-hmm. all right ready to move on so delora you go ahead and go first and hit hit us with your hidden gems this week all right so my hinges this week are podcasts okay so my first hidden gem is brown ambition podcast i love this podcast so much um i've been listening to them for a very long time if you love financial literacy or you know personal finance this is a podcast for you uh it's hosted by Mandy Woodruff and Tiffany Aliche. Again, they talk about personal finance. Uh, Tiffany Aliche is known as the budgetista. She has a new book coming out, Get Good With Money. Really excited about that. But the reason why I'm highlighting Brown Ambition is because I'm also highlighting another podcast this week. And it, it is previously one of my uh, gems. However, I am highlighting a specific episode. Uh, this is The Sugar, hosted by Tika Sumter and Ty Randolph. Bajanista was featured in the episode titled Getting Good with Money with a Tiffany, the Bajanista Liche. It was such a fantastic episode, just talking about the 10 steps in her book. And she's a really great storyteller tiffany and i love the energy of the host of the sugar so check that out on your favorite podcast platforms what about you ashley what are very nice well i just have one this week man this show is crazy but i'm really enjoying it it's called made for love it's on hbo max uh really shows kind of the scary side of future potential technology Mm -hmm. um it's starring Kristen melody who was inevitably the mom on how i met your mother so this is her first real leading role in a series that i've seen anyway um Mm -hmm. ray romano plays her father in probably his strangest role yet um and basically sex doll isn't there there is a sex doll girl (laughs) (laughs) so basically the premise is this is a um Kristen is a wife who her husband is a billionaire tech guy and she realizes that he wants to implant a chip in her brain and merge their minds so she flees and goes to her father's house played by Ray Romano I've only watched (laughs) episode five I cannot wait to watch episode six I heard there was supposedly going to be 10 episodes but HBO Max has been dropping uh, weekly on Thursday, so we'll see. But it's fascinating. It's terrifying. Our girl Haley Fitzgerald from The Undoing is also in it. So again, yes. guys, check out that recap. She's great as always. And I just, I'm so curious to see how this kind of wraps up in season one. I guess I should call it sci-fi because it's technology, but Mm -hmm. it's also very realistic in the era we live in now where I feel like somebody is really working on some shit like this. this So it's, funny but it's like kooky funny you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's strange there's a lot of strange things going on so it's the premise it's everything if you guys like something that's a little different a little bit out there check this show out and let us know what you think again that's made for love on hbo max so that is my hidden gem for this week delora all right thank you ashley of course oh my goodness so we're about to be at episode twenty. Five next week, guys. Really? Episode 25. 
five. Exciting. I do not know what we're recapping yet, but we will definitely, as always, let you guys know on social. A lot so of good check stuff out. is coming out. Yeah, there's some things on the horizon. So check us out at, at Recapping Podcast on all your favorite, you know, platforms on social media, uh, particularly Instagram, to see what we'll be doing next. Mm-hmm. Delora, anything else you want to say or share with our listeners before we get out of here? Nope. Love you, girl. Love you too, guys. As always, be blessed. Take care. Love you. Bye.